So love the bells. They're so beautiful. <laughs> Please stand as you are able and give your full attention to the Holy Scripture, Book of John, chapter 17, verses 6 through 11. I have made your name known to those whom you gave me from the world. They were yours, and you gave them to me. And they have kept your word. Now they know that everything you have given me is from you. For the words that you gave to me, I have given to them. And they have received them and know in truth that I came from you. And they have believed that you sent me. I am asking on their behalf. I am not asking on behalf of the world, but on behalf of those whom you gave me, because they are yours. All mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I have been glorified in them. And now I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, protect them in your name that you have given me, so that they may be one as we are one. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So the poem prayer this week comes from Kate Bowler's book, The Lives We Actually Have. This is entitled, For Who You Might Become, and she has done uh, an intro that comes from the Confessions of St. Augustine, who's Augustine of Hippo, who's one of my favorite early church fathers. You've made us and drawn us to yourself and our heart is restless until it rests in you. God, I'm haunted by the shadows of the old me, the one who's tried every possible elixir, every five-step plan, every guru's solution for what ails me, but nothing seems to stick. It's the same me with the same problems and the same quiet hopes. Is it my lack of discipline? Or am I just a lost cause? What new beginnings are possible? Blessed are we the incomplete standing at the edge of what could be in this perpetual season of waiting and looking and longing for the fulfillment of hope. Blessed are we the restless grieving over what's over but isn't done, what is gone but isn't finished. Blessed are we in our midnight struggle with past and future, while the present has already arrived outside our door like flat-packed furniture with missing pieces. God, what can we do with what we have now, and who we are now, and who we might become? Blessed are we in the place where desire and will are beginning a conversation about what this day, this moment, is for and for whose glory. Blessed are we who suddenly find that while we weren't looking, the Lord appeared saying, peace, be still. This is the clearing where the light shines through, where the new can begin. Never doubt it. God is writing you into the story of the world's healing and your own. So when I think of things that I've tried, 
like a bunch of you, I'm sure, at one point or another in your life, you've been on a diet. I get discouraged with diets. The reason I get discouraged with diets is because I really like to eat. So I finally come to a point in my life where I say, this is who I am, and this is what I look like. So in my purging process, which you heard about in the e-weekly, I'm getting rid of the stuff that I'm going to lose enough weight to wear again, because I'm never going to do that. I know that. So why bother, even if I love the thing, let's get rid of it, somebody else can use it, it's taking up space, I don't need it. And I did talk about some of the things in the church, but some of the things in the church that are most important to get rid of, and I know I'm treading on really difficult ground for you here, but some of the things you need to get rid of are your old ideas of what church looks like. Church is different today than it was five years ago or ten years ago. Church is a whole different animal now. There's way too much online stuff that we think maybe if we stopped really putting our service out there, all those people would come back? No, they're not. A lot of them cannot come back. A lot of our shut-ins are not going to show up. But they will find another church that they can watch online. They will find something that they can watch on TV. We need to remember and I always bristle when somebody tells me I need to do anything, but we need to remember that the church of Jesus Christ, the church of God, is here to stay. It's not something that's going to disappear, but the church of today doesn't look the same as the church that left England to come and settle in New England. Ooh, what a concept. But it's a, it was a new place with a new idea about church. A new way of thinking about church. They didn't want to live by the rules of the Anglican church or the Roman Catholic church. But when the Puritans came here, they came with a whole different set of rules. It was still church. They were still worshiping the same God. And every time a church sect breaks off because they have a different set of rules that they want to live by, do we baptize only children or do we wait and baptize only adults who can say for themselves? Who has to be approved before you can get married or confirmed even? Presbyterians have different rules about that than the Methodists do. But it's still the same church, and it all comes from God. So rather than quibbling about those things, and we do it the same way in our culture, that we can point out what's different about people rather than what's the same. Not that this bothers me. I mean, I think it's part of human nature. I mean, some of us have brown eyes and some of us have blue eyes. 
Some of us are star-bellied sneeches, and some of us don't have stars on bars. And if you've never read Dr. Seuss, I highly recommend it. But we point out the silliness of our differences. Kathy and I had a wonderful discussion last night, or maybe it was this morning, I get messed up, about churches that are disaffiliating and what that means. Frankly, where I am living, there are a number of churches that are disaffiliating, leaving the United Methodist Church over issues primarily, it is said to be over LBGTQ issues, but it's not really. It's about scriptural authority. What if the Bible says everything, if we say that everything in the Bible is absolutely true, then there probably isn't room for a lot of things. But what's interesting to me is that Jesus never said a word about LBGTQ people. Not one word. But he said a lot about divorce. He said things about women. I'm a divorced woman, and I'm here. You know, it's like some of the rules change, but there are people who say, oh, no, no, because this is what it says in the Bible. Many years ago, when I was in seminary, there was a professor of Old Testament who stood in front of us with this ancient Bible that was hanging by a thread, and he said, this book contains the truth, and some of the things in it actually happened. I've never forgotten that that stories, especially those that come out of the oral tradition, are always elaborated. You can have two experiences that were had by the exact same, the exact set of circumstances. Two people do that experience, they're going to tell you something different. This is why eyewitnesses to crimes are unreliable, because people don't see the same things. People don't hear the same things. I've never really believed that Moses was 600 and some odd years old. Never did. But I can hear that around a campfire, Grandpa's telling the story, and a little kid says, Grandpa, how old was Moses? Moses was really, really old, but how old, Grandpa? Well, Moses was 600 years old. Wow, that's really, really old. But I remember when my granddaughter asked me how old I was, and I said, well, how old do you think I am? And she said, 100? <laughs> and I said, I'm not quite that old, Reese. And she said, but you have gray hair. So from her point of view, people with gray hair must be a hundred. And I look out here, and you are very, very old. <laughs> I belong to a study group that has focused a lot on the works of Richard Rohr. We started with Universal Christ. We have done two or three other 
Rohr books, and now we're doing The Universal Christ for a second time. And after I read this passage in John, where Jesus is praying, talking to God about everything has been told to these people that you sent me to tell everything to. I go back to Richard Rohr, who believes that the Christ, not Jesus, the Christ is in everything. The Christ is not the same as Jesus. The Christ is the holiness that Jesus showed us. But somebody has their phone on. It better be God. But the idea of having the Christ in everything is the idea that we have to see the Christ in one another, we have to see the Christ in everyone who is out there, not set up these artificial barriers as to who is an in and who's an out. I love that whole story about the Sneetches. It's one of my absolute favorites because it's so ridiculous that everybody has a star and then they want to take the stars off because the people without the stars are the ones that are really in. And it gets so confusing that you don't know who had a star to start with and who didn't, and it doesn't make any difference. But we get caught up in this nonsense of drawing artificial barriers to our communities, to our ability to relate to one another. And there are a lot of people that I don't agree with on every facet of their lives. I don't agree in choices they make. There are sometimes I think that people can make some pretty sad choices and they have to live with the consequences of those choices, and it makes me sad. But they, too, have a God-light in them. And sometimes all we can do is to point that out to people, show them where God is shining in their lives, show them that God loves them. And we can't do that if we're saying, eh, they're not really quite worth it. Why should I waste my time with that person? Now, I've told you that my daughter works with the mentally ill. And if you're going down the street and driving and you see somebody by the side of the road who has their shopping cart with their stuff in it, and you say, oh, my goodness, I feel so bad for them. My daughter will look over and she says, oh, that's one of my peeps. And so she'll have to stop and talk to them. You know, how's it going today? What's going on? And she is so non-judgmental about these people that most of us say, mm -hmm. But to be able to see the humanity in everyone is a gift. And even though my daughter doesn't attend church, there are times that she is way more Christ-like than virtually anybody I know because she accepts everybody for who they are. She also will tell them the truth, whether they want to hear it or not. We sit in this place with choices to make about how the future will look. It is a time not to worry about what happened before and what you have lost 
but a time to say, wow, this is a very exciting time. You get to shape your own future. You get to decide what happens in Concord, New Hampshire. You get to decide what Wesley will mean to this community. That's exciting. That's awesome. It's a challenge, and it's not necessarily easy, but it is really a gift to you. But with all gifts, you can open that package and look at it and say, I think it's the wrong size, or that'll never fit, or what am I going to do with that? All gifts become a choice whether you actually use it or if you put it on a shelf and 16 years later find it and say, oh, I wondered what happened to that. But everything comes from God. Everything belongs to God. Everything in front of you and behind you is of God. So grasp it and hold it close. And for crying out loud, stop worrying about it because what will happen will happen in spite of you or because of you. It is your choice. May it be so. Amen.